However, for the past two weeks, the Lord has been saying a lot of things to my heart. And I don't know who this word is for. I don't know who this word is for, but I believe very strongly that uh, God has a word for someone. Sometimes when God speaks, especially thank God for the um, opportunity to be able to record our messages and place it online. Sometimes when God speaks, the people that the word is for are not even present at that moment. But a couple of weeks after, a couple of people might download the sermon and then the word becomes their word. For some, tonight, you don't even know that you would need this word, but situations will come in your life whereby this word will be relevant. So I'm saying this just in case you are not going to fall into the category of those that the Lord has sent me to for tonight. But there might be one or two people who God has sent me to. The people that God has sent me to for tonight are those who are having issues with their work with God. People who are stumbling People who need serious, serious help with their work with the Holy Spirit, who have declined. God has a word for you. And I'm going to begin this series tonight called The Reconnection. And I'm trusting God that after this about three weeks that we are going to be looking at this subject, God, by his mercy, would... I've used the words from my mouth to bring people back to a relationship with him that will not just be a strong relationship, but will be a relationship that will last. One thing that we have had to experience many times and for many people is inconsistency. And the reality of the matter is that the journey with God, the power of it is in consistency. And so I'm trusting God that these words for tonight will be a seed in the hearts of both the listeners and those who will listen. And by the power of the word that will be released tonight, our work with God will become strong and there will be a release of special grace. Just in case you know of somebody that is close to you that is struggling with their work with God, you know of someone who used to be on fire before and there's been a great decline, you know of someone who is losing faith, you know of someone who is not in the right place. I want you to take up the challenge of the next one to two minutes to copy the link of tonight and share with the person. Usually in the school of spiritual growth, we don't advertise. Those who are supposed to be here know that they are supposed to be here. But just because God wants to speak to someone's heart and rekindle a relationship, please go ahead and do it. I've told us many times of some of the greatest testimonies that I have received from this platform were those who stumbled upon us, not those we invited. They stumbled. I still got some words a few days back of someone who saw a post just on Facebook, decided to join, and that was the beginning of a revival in our heart. You never can tell what God would use a simple message to do in the life of someone. And so I don't want to trivialize it. In the next about 30 seconds, I'll begin to teach. And then from there, we're going to go on till 10 p.m. It's a one-hour teaching class, and I will not exceed the time. So please, if you have not shared with your friends, with your relatives, with somebody that you know seriously needs help, please go ahead and do it now. Okay.
the reconnection. The subtopic or second title that you can give this teaching is the prodigal son. But the core of the topic is the reconnection. I've said it many times and I will say it tonight for the sake of those who might not have heard me say it. The walk with God is a journey. If you're listening to me and you have begun this journey and it's been a couple of years already, congratulations. But let me say it clearly to you that you have not even started. It's a long journey. And as it is synonymous with long journeys, it is not without odors. I've had the opportunity to travel long distance. I think the longest distance was when we went to Abia State and we spent about 18 to 20 hours on the road. A lot of things happen with long journeys. Tiredness, hunger. There are also times whereby everyone is awake, singing, dancing, happy. But there's also a time where everybody is quiet and it looks as if you are the only one in the bus. Journeys always have their roller coasters. When we begin to look at our journey with God, every single person began his journey with God as a stranger and as a foreigner. You find that in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Paul speaking said, we are no longer strangers and foreigners. It was to help us to know the beginning of our journey with God that there was a time whereby the things of God did not really matter to you. Even if you were born in a Christian home, everyone should be able to remember a time in his life whereby serving God did not make sense. You see, it is not really about going to church. I went to a Christian university, for example, and in a Christian university, every one of us were first to go to church. There are some people even online that were my classmates. One of the things that I realized then is that there were those who came to church with their mobile phones and while the sermon was going on, they pressed their phones, they gisted, they sat at the back, making jest and laughing. That kind of person cannot say that he knows God. He's a stranger. Because if you go to a place whereby you don't know someone, you don't care. It doesn't matter to you what the person does or what the person does not do. And that's how many of us have been before at one point or the other in our life. A time when they spoke about sin and it didn't really matter to you. A time when they said, don't do this, don't do that. And you wondered why. And even when you chose not to do those things, it was not out of fear for God. It was just because you chose not to do it. At 
that level, you are a stranger. Not literally to God. But it is more that God is a stranger to you. You don't value making sacrifices to please him. Because all that you think about is how to please yourself. There is absolutely no one who did not have that face of his life where he was a stranger. As we begin to grow, we come to a place of servanthood. John chapter 15 verse 15. Jesus said to his disciples, we were formerly strangers, but had now become servants. He said to them, I will no longer call you servants. So everyone, after they come to know God, there is another level that they go to immediately. It is the level of servanthood. To help you to understand this, remember that when Jesus Christ died for our sins, what he did for us was to save us and to rescue us out of the slave trade of sin. And every time you buy a servant out of slave trade, Yes, the person is no longer servant to sin, but the person becomes servant to the new master because his life has been rescued out of one to another. So what happened at salvation was a rescuing from the taskmaster called sin to become a servant of grace. But the journey does not end there. From being a servant, there is another level that God wants every child of ease to get to. It's the level of sonship. You find that in Galatians chapter 4, from verse 1 to 4, Galatians chapter 4, from verse 1 to 4. He said that we have been adopted as sons. So now we have the right to call him Abba Father. He said we are no longer slaves. We are no longer servants. Now there is a transformation and a change in our relationship with God that we can call him Father. I came to tell somebody under the sound of my voice tonight that the kind of relationship that God wants to have with the believer is a father and son relationship. It is the desire of God that every growth that we encounter and we have, it is ultimately to the point whereby we can enter into sonship. You might look at yourself and think that you are far away from God. But the utmost desire of the heart of the Father is that he will look at every single one of us and be able to say to you, you are my son, you are my daughter. I'm beginning with this foundation tonight because I want everyone who might not have developed a relationship with God to begin to desire an intimate relationship with God from tonight. I want you to begin to desire something that is deeper than what you have had before, no matter how deep it is. You see, someone can be in church for 10 years and never know God 
because you don't know him as father. Some can be in church for so long, even serve. And the reality of the matter is that you have no bond with God. And the danger of not having a bond with God is that you don't even know when you begin to lose your relationship with him because you never had one. You see, when you have built a bond with someone, maybe your best friend. I remember in secondary school, one of the reasons why it was hard for us to sometimes go on holidays was because of the bond we built with our friends. But you see, it was not everybody you felt like that with. There were some that were our classmates who we never had any relationship with, so matter if the school was going on a break because we definitely knew that we were not going to miss them but for those who we had a bond with once the holiday season is coming you are already missing that love that you shared that friendship that you shared what I'm saying to you today is that if you find it easy to go back to your vomit, it's because you never had a foundation in God. Anyone who has a bond with God, every single time there is a withdrawal, something begins to seem missing in his life because he's losing his friend. I remember many years ago when my cousins came to Nigeria. At that point, I'd never had guys in quotes because even my other cousins that are based in Nigeria, most of them are females. I'd never had male friends stay in my house for three weeks consecutively whereby we did everything together. So at the age of nine, my cousins came from the UK to Nigeria. And for three solid weeks, we did everything together. We wore the same clothes because they bought the same thing they bought for them for me. We ate the same food. We drank the same water. We slept on the same bed. We went to the park together. There was practice nothing that I did that they were not involved. The bond was so strong that on the day they were going, I cried and cried and cried because I knew that I was losing something that I have not had before. That is the same way it is with God. If you have a strong bond with him, it is extremely difficult to lose that bond. More importantly is this. You will know when something is missing. There is a problem if your relationship with God is declining and you don't even know that you are lost. There is a problem if your walk with God is not the way it used to be and you have not even realized it after two years it's taking people that God is sending to tell you that something is missing in your life there is a problem tonight we will be looking at the story of a young man a young man who had a relationship or a kind of relationship with his father, as I will explain very briefly, who walked away from home and how God restored him. Because you see, when we read the story of the prodigal son, many people are extremely judgmental about his life. But by the time I am done with this story of the prodigal son, some of us might have to go back to our beds and kneel down and say to God, 
I have been a prodigal son. I have been a prodigal daughter. Because when the Holy Spirit began to unravel this scripture to me for the past two weeks, I began to take note of many things that was relating to my life and might be relating to somebody tonight. I believe you should have your Bible because this is not the prayer cruise. This is a teaching class. So you should have your Bible and your notes. I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. And then I will read very quickly. Maybe about three verses that I will be able to deal with for this first night. Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 to 13. I'll give us 20 seconds to get there. Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 to 13. If you are there, you can comment and say I'm there. Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 to 13. Okay. And he said, this is Jesus Christ speaking, and he said, Luke chapter 11, chapter 15, sorry, Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 to 13. Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 to 13. And he said, this is Jesus Christ speaking, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And his father divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. Let us stop there. I'm going to begin to take those verses one after the other, and I want you to please Pay attention because I want you to follow this journey with me tonight. The first thing we see from the story of Jesus as he began to speak this parable unto them was that he introduced a certain man to us. Jesus said that a certain man had two sons. And then he went on to tell us the perspective, the statement, the behavior of one of the sons. And how Jesus Christ describes this second son was that he called him the younger of them. I want to begin tonight by helping you to see something about that statement. This son who later became the prodigal son did not begin as the prodigal son. He began as the younger son. To be young is a blessing. And one of the things that God has done for everybody upon the face of the earth is that he has given every one of us equal privilege of being young. When you are young, it is a stage of beauty especially for ladies. Sometimes I look at the pictures 
of certain grandmothers when they were young and how they look now. And I smile. They are still beautiful. Even with the old age. But we all know you can never compare the beauty of the old age and the beauty of that young lady in her prime. When a lady is young, the skin is still very great, glowing. Even the Bible in Esther chapter 2 verse 7, Esther chapter 2 verse 7 told us about Esther, a young lady beautiful in form and in face. When a man is young, it's a period of his beauty. Just imagine what the typical young lady does in this generation. She's young, she's beautiful, yet she will still use makeup. And there's an interesting thing that I have realized from our sisters, and I want you to apologize. I want to apologize ahead. It's not like I'm attacking you tonight. After you have used the makeup, they will still use all these mobile phone filters to still filter the makeup just to ensure that the beauty is at its peak. That's one of the beauties of being young. The ability to explore and to be at a prime of being attractive. When a man is young, is a stage of strength. When you look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, the Bible says the glory of a young man is in his strength. I'm trying to help you know why the Bible told us about the younger son. Because there's something you need to understand about being young. It's a delicate season of a man's life. It's a stage of strength. Strength to do a lot of things. There are things you can carry when you are young. You don't try it when you are in your 70s or 80s. There are races you can run, but I've never seen a man in his 80s on the track and field running. When you play football, it is extremely rare to find people who are approaching their 40s or after their 40s who are still playing. Because the moment you begin to get out of that youthfulness, one of the things that disappear is strength. Strength is synonymous with being young. When a man is young, is a stage of visions. The Bible was speaking to us that young men, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, young men shall see visions. So when you are young, you see. So those are the positives of being young. But there is also something about being young that I need you to know tonight. Because of the visions, because of the strength, because of the beauty, because of the desires that are wild, it is also the stage of haste. Young men are synonymous with speed. That is why these days you find something among the young. Yahoo 
Yahoo plus plus. Because the young man is desiring that, can I just be rich so quickly? A young man is just looking for how to speed up time. I'm trusting God that maybe before the end of this year, I'm going to teach us on 30 things God has taught me. Young men are always trying to be hasty. You see them running. Wants to run to get to every stage of his life. When I was younger, far back in around SS1, there was that haste too. Haste to grow up. So we got spirits, and I'm sure some guys can relate with me. We got spirits and we began to put them on our chain so that beards can come out very quickly. Today, the beards are there and I am tired of cutting it down. People even know me. I get so tired that I decide to just leave it. But there was a time of haste. I want to have it now. It is synonymous with a young man. When a young man wants to manifest, you also realize that he has this uncontrolled zeal. This energy to just achieve things, to touch things, to do things that are not at his time. And that is why the highest number of mistakes that a man makes in his lifetime, they are usually made when he's young. And unfortunately, in the life of this son called prodigal, Jesus begins to tell us that he was young. Whenever you want to look at his life, ensure that you never forget that there was a point of his life that pushed him to become what he became that is called a lack of maturity. Can I encourage someone tonight? Grow up as babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. The longer you stay young, despite the blessings of being young, you might still fall into the tragedy of haste, uncontrolled zeal, lack of experience wrong desires that ultimately produces errors in your life. Sit down with any man that has grown up and tell them to tell you their story. You would see that majority of the things they will refer to was when they were younger. Jesus says to us, the younger son, he was not the older son that came. The younger. The one with strength. The one that everybody still looked at and said, Kai, handsome young man. The one that people still celebrated his visions as he spoke about things he wanted to achieve. The one that was muscular and still had time for the gym. The one that still had time in front of him, opportunities before him, the younger son. That's the first thing I want to say to you today. While being young is a privilege, be careful. Many people lose their connection with God while they are young. 
No wonder Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1. He said, remember the Lord your God, your creator, in the days of your youth. Because I tell you sadly, this is the easiest time to lose the connection. Let's go on in the story. And the younger son came to his father and said, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. What exactly will make a man to come to his father and begin to ask for a portion of his possession while his father is alive, if not that he's young? You know when you are young, you ask for funny things. Children can ask for a plane. Children can ask for anything. Because they are young. But the extent to this young man's desire was different. He asked for the possession that was supposed to be his own after his father's death while his father was alive. I began to check in my spirit what exactly would have pushed this young man to begin to make this kind of request. What exactly would have made somebody who was his son and who knows his father's capacity to come to a place whereby he will begin to ask for his father's possession? Number one. This young man had not yet found purpose in his father. You see, later on, as we go through this story, and some of us who already know this story, you would realize that later on, his senior brother said something. That why are they even celebrating his return? He has always been with his father, serving his father, working for his father. But guess what? He never said that his brother had been working for his father. This means to me clearly that this young man was not active in serving his father. One way that many lose the connection with God is when you have not found purpose in God. Every man that does not find purpose in God, very soon the devil will send him on an assignment. Listen to me carefully tonight. Just in case you find yourself already praying in the night. Just in case you find yourself reading your Bible once in a while now. Just in case you find yourself going for evangelism active in church. And I sit down with you right now. And I ask you, what is your purpose in God? And you cannot Definitely answer me what your purpose is. I want to encourage you. Go and find your purpose in God. Because the moment you do not know your definite purpose in the heart of your father, very soon you will do something else that is outside the scope. You will be outside of the scope and still be thinking you are active. 
time a man has not found purpose in God, the devil will give him an assignment. I want to beg you tonight. If there's a cry that must come in your heart, what has sustained people's walk with God is that they know the role they play in the chess of God. If you don't know your importance, if you don't know your relevance, you will leave home. I've seen people say it loud and clear before. I'm not doing again. And the reason why you can say you are not doing again is because you don't even know what you were doing before. Every man that has found purpose with God, that purpose keeps sustaining him in the assignment of God. I say it again loud and clear. That purpose continues in his life to grow him, to steer him, to push him into all that he needs to be to satisfy God's interest. Those who cut out, check it well, they had nothing they were doing. Those who break out, check it well. They had nothing they were doing for God. They were just at home. The moment you know that nations are dying because you are not waking up in the night to pray, nobody will tell you to pray because you know the part you play. The moment you know that somebody's purpose, life depends on you. The hunger to do God's will will naturally be there because many people are counting on you. But the moment you don't even care, you don't know who is attached to you, you don't know who is not attached to you, you decide to do anything with your life. Those who turn back and are disconnected from the plan of God, the foundation of it was that they had not found purpose in God. This young prodigal son had no idea of what to do. He was young anyway. So nobody sent him to the farm. Nobody asked him for anything. And so the next thing that came to his mind was to leave home. Find your purpose in God and then the zeal of the house of God like Jesus will consume you. Find your purpose in God and then your desire to do his will will consume you. There are things that you will begin to see and to do and to think that people around you will not think about because they don't have purpose. You see, people are living anyhow. And I will show you that it's possible to do things greatly. And yet it is outside of God and it is irrelevant to God. But the moment you find your purpose in God, it redefines your mindset. It redefines your pursuit. As a matter of fact, which is more important, the devil will not be able to give you an assignment. Number two, what was it that steered this young man to come to his father and began to ask for his own portion. It was a strange desire for independence. I want to ask you today, do you think this thing called God is hard? Don't you think that God is so difficult? How many of you have thought about that? Why is everything about God hard, hard, hard? Because when you are at home, 
You only eat what you are served. You only do what you are told to do. Have you not also begun to desire a strange desire for independence? A desire to enjoy life. A desire that I don't want anybody to manage what I want. I want to be able to want anything. And the moment a man begins to have those thoughts of desire for independence, very soon (laughs) you might be disconnected from the source. Because the reality is this. God has called us into liberty. But it's not a liberty without restriction. One of the thoughts of disconnection that the devil plants in people is this desire for independence. Remember what he did to Eve in Genesis chapter 3. He said, as he said that you should not eat of any of this tree, eat it. When you eat it, you will be like him. You will be able to discern by yourself knowing between good and evil. You will not need him. And he saw that that idea was good. Man naturally always appreciates a desire for independence. Don't you want to choose what you want to choose? We're in a season now that everybody's leaving the country. Should you even ask God if you should leave? Like, is it necessary? Should sense not tell you that things are bad enough for you to leave? A desire to just do it as it makes sense and appeals to you. Everyone who falls to this trap, (laughs) the next thing that he might be doing is signing a deal of a disconnection. Even not help those who help themselves. Let me help myself. I can handle it alone. And the man decides to undo the things by himself, not knowing that what he has done is that he has cut himself out of the will of God. You see, when this young man approached his father and said to his father, Give me a portion of what is mine from you. He still had a relationship with his father. And that is how we are too. Our relationship with God is still intact. We still attend church. But we want an independence from God. We say to God, give me from you. But not you. Give me what is from you, but I don't want you. That's what he said to his father. I want to be independent from every restriction that you give. But give me that thing that you can give me. So I don't mind if you give me a job. I don't mind. But I will also take the job even though it takes me from you. I don't mind if you give me anything, even if it's money, give me. But I don't mind if it is at the expense of you. I want an independence from you. He said to his father, let me know all that you offer. Let me know what you offer. Because his idea of his father had become a man who had something to offer. And that's how many of us see God today. The one that signs checks, who answers prayer, but does not deserve a relationship. Give me things, but I don't need you. Let me go on because of time, because I want to finish this verse 3. I want to say it to you tonight. 
that one of the strategies of the devil is to make God look like he will never be enough for you. The devil will always create the notion that God only does a few things and God cannot do everything. That is why the young man will come to his father and says, give me a portion. Give me something that you can do because you can't be everything. Just give me. And that's the same thing the devil will present to any man that he seeks to disconnect out of the source. You look at God and you begin to think that it will never be enough. The moment that begins to happen, a disconnection has begun. The devil comes to us and says to us, why not let God do his own and you to do your own? Don't you know heaven helps those who help themselves? Do you know something that I have realized and I want you to pay attention to me as I close tonight? That one of the things that suffer the most every time things are not working out is God. The moment something is not working out in a man's life, the first target that people begin to say is the problem is that people begin to say God is the problem in that person's life. If you see a student, for example, who is not passing exams, you will see that people will call that child from home and tell him, it is like your fellowship, going to fellowship is too much. Reduce this fellowship time. Maybe you will do better academically. I've seen people before who are trusting God to get married. And I remember one just like yesterday. What told? One of the things they told this lady at that time was, you know what? You have been going to this church and serving God for a while. But you see this church, everybody here, you are older than them. It's better if you apply wisdom. Leave the church. Go out more. Husbands are not in the church. Go out more. Go to places whereby you'll be able to interact with people. Go to places, churches whereby there are young men. And you will see things will change. And five years ago, this lady left this church, decided to go to a place where there were young men. And it's been five years. The first thing that suffers every single time when things are going off in a man's life is always God. The devil begins to sow a seed that God is not enough for you. Take what God has for you and go and sort out this rest for yourself. And so we see people who still pray to God to collect what he has but who have other options. We see people who wait on God to collect what God has but just after they have received what God has they have other options at the back of their mind. You begin to disconnect from God the moment you don't believe that God's presence is enough for you. Listen to me and listen well. Everything that you need is in him. I don't care how hard it is for you to believe. And this is where I will close tonight. I'll continue next week.
I don't care how hard it is for you to believe this. Everything you are looking for is in the Father. The devil will make you think it is outside. The devil will make you think that there are only a few things that he can do. He can't do all things. People will tell you to your face that he can't do all things. And as you begin to think that, you begin to think that other things will satisfy you. You begin to think a kind of job is where your satisfaction is. You begin to think a kind of relationship is where your joy is. You begin to think a kind of lifestyle is where your peace is. But I came to tell you, is a lie. This young man took a portion. But what he did not know is that when you take anything outside of God and you leave God, those things begin to die. Because God is the source. It is like fetching water from a river. No matter how much you fetch, the river does not run dry. But no matter how much you fetch too, that water will finish. The devil wants you to take out of God and begin to look around for other options while you break the real connection. I want to end on this note tonight and give an opportunity for you to use this week to begin to ask yourself tough questions. How have I allowed the enemy to stop me from totally depending on God as my source? Paul said something. He said, nothing will separate me from the love of God. Not tribulation. Not sickness. Not angels. Not things that are sin. Not things that are not sin. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. What is capable of separating you from the love of God? Or what is already separating you? What is that thing that you think is not found in him? That is making you pray. But your prayer is to be able to just get what he can do. While you look outside to get what he cannot do. Let me say to you today. There is something... I will continue next week. Don't let me jump myself. I will show you how this young man collected from God. Went and exchanged what he got from God for something else. And how everything finished. Listen to me tonight. Many of us have become prodigal. Because we thought that the purpose of God was just to get things. God is more than that. God doesn't give things. He gives himself. If all that you have from God is things, you don't have anything. The most important thing to receive from God is to be able to say, I have him as a father. I am with you. That was the testimony of Jesus. I and my father are one. And in the face of every opposition, he confessed it, he said it. Don't look away from him, looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Once the devil begins to break that, whereby you don't think it can be all, then you have begun to lose the strongest connection that you can ever have.
I close tonight, I go back to how I started. You will never know what you are losing or what you have lost if you don't even know what you have at the moment or what you can have. Listen to me. Don't lose for some of us what you already have. For others, don't lose what you're already building. For some others, it is time for you to begin to build a formidable relationship with God. Because let me tell you, everything that your eyes can see will pass away. It will be burnt down with fire. It will vanish. But there is only one thing that will last. God. And if you will lose him. You know, I told someone one day when the person was asking me funny questions. I said, listen, there's no even marriage in heaven. So, the, the height of the greatest celebration, when you get to heaven, you will just be waving to even each other. It is to help you know that there is nothing that you can chase on earth that gets to heaven with you. So, why are you so focused on things when you can have him? I will end with that question tonight. We continue tomorrow. Or rather, ah, not tomorrow, sorry. We continue next week by God's grace. Let us pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you are teaching us. Thank you for this introduction of tonight. <clears throat> 